Mai Govanen Melunin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to explain some things the movies didn't make totally clear. She's Audrey, the movie buff, and I'm Leah, the book nerd. Let's jump right back in, discussing Gandalf's confrontation with Saruman. Okay, so... Wizard fight. Oh, what a weird wizard fight. This is something that probably could have used a little bit more previs. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird scene. <laughs> I, I could have used a little bit of, you know, like whatever CGI they had available in the early 2000s. Just like <laughs> a little bit, right? Harry Potter was out at this time. You could have done some, you know, sparkles or something. I don't know. A little, little burst of flame. But just the psychic throwing each other across the room was, um, was a little bit, a little silly. <laughs> I, I kind of am okay with it just because it's... A manifestation of how magic in Middle Earth is just your will to make what you want to happen happen. Mm, I guess, but yeah. it's very uh, visually underwhelming, it's cheesy, and confusing. Confusing. <laughs> yeah. My so my question about this scene is like, is Saruman just more powerful than Gandalf? Like, why? Like, when Saruman decides with his wizard magic, these doors are closed. Mm-hmm. Like every time Gandalf tries to exit, he closes the door in front of him. Why can't Gandalf just? Alohomora. Yeah. <laughs> Just open the door. I think, uh, well, yes, definitely. Saruman is more magically powerful okay. than Gandalf. But I think that more importantly is that it's the shock of betrayal that uh, Aww, that yeah. let, lets Saruman win, like, in this instance. That like, Gandalf, like, can't believe what's happening. Yeah, like, it's just, like, he's, like, grieving immediately. Like, he's just, like, in total shock. For so sure. So he can't, like, respond. Absolutely. But if it was, like, a real fair fight, you think that Gandalf would have been able to open that door? I think Gandalf the White would have been able to open that <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah, Gandalf the Grey is a little soft. He's, he's just, just scruffy. He's just, like, your friend. Yeah. Your friend Gandalf. He hasn't uh, leveled up yet. <laughs> I remember, like, watching this movie for the first time. Like, so, like, <laughs> he spins Gandalf around on the ground over and over. And, then and Gandalf is like... <laughs> and then like lifts him up and then he just like keeps lifting him up higher and higher i mean it's kind of like willy wonka like it's like oh no the blades but it's just like i thought he died you know and maybe you're supposed to think he died or whatever like wonder if he did but it's just like to what end was that? Like, slam him into the ceiling? Or did, like, the did the roof open up and have, that's the top of... Yeah, does it have a dome? <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a ballpark? Because they were, like, inside of... Um, or think. Or, or think, right? Yeah. So that's, like, the only thing that I can imagine. It's just, like, he phased through it and now he's on top. Like, <laughs> Yeah, when I was a kid, I thought that the ceiling would have been spiked and that that was how he was killing Gandalf. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was... Uh, unclear. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hmm, okay. Sure, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a vexing scene. Bedeviling. So that's the end of that, is because it goes to black, Gandalf's dead. Gandalf's that's dead, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, cut over, tone shift again. Back to the hobbits. Yay, my boys. <laughs> so this is, um, right when they run into Merry and Pippin for the first time outside of the, uh, outside of Hobbiton. I was going to say the Shire, but... I know now that the Shire is all of it. Yay! Um, yeah, they're still in the Shire. They're just at... But they're not at Hobbiton anymore. Correct. Yeah. They're, they're at Farmer Maggots. And you've been into Farmer Maggots' crops. And to my point there is the Shire does need law enforcement, if only <laughs> to deal with punks like Merry and Pippin. I do remember, like, a while ago, though, you said that Frodo got, like, beat by Farmer Maggot for, mm-hmm. like, stealing some, like, things from his farm. Yep. And, like, 
that's why cops need to exist. You can't just decide. Like The cops are only a force of maintaining the status quo of power in the country. Cops will not help the situation in Middle Earth. Okay. Fair enough. It's much better to give just widespread, unlimited power to individual producers to use corporal punishment on children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let me be very clear, that's not the official view of Speak Fred Pot or me. <laughs> so um, they fall down the the um, embankment. Embankment, yeah. Uh, Princess Bride style, <laughs> as you wish. As you wish. And then Dolly Zoom. Oh, I love a good Dolly he has Zoom. A, he's got Spidey Sense. Where does Frodo's Spidey Sense come from? Is that like the ring? Well, I wanted to ask you what you think it looks like in the movies because i know what it's like in the book but i don't know what what do you think it is so i could reason that whoever is carrying the ring like it just gives you a lot of sense of protection over it Mm -hmm. but that doesn't help for like because the point the goal of the ring is to get back so you'd think that yeah you you would want to catch him off guard so that so that it would get the ring way back yeah it didn't help Isildur in that respect (laughs) yeah right so maybe it's just generally that like the only thing that I could think of is that they were on a main road and then like generally just Frodo just is scared like mm-hmm. and he's like his paranoid. anxiety is through the roof. Right yeah, now. so he's like he's like realized like we're just chilling and this is a main road right now and I think that like Gandalf warned me not to be on main roads, right? So does it have nothing to do with like the ring or anything or like well, he, he's just scared like he's <laughs> like let's get off the road. Get off the road quick. <laughs> I what it looked like to me the first time I saw the movie, it was just like a sense of like dread or foreboding yeah. that I thought maybe happened to everyone when a Nazgul came near. Mm. Um, so that uh, there's no concrete. <laughs> not, not the guy who's just like, who goes there? <laughs> and yeah, his head chopped off. No, nope. that's why. He didn't show the proper deference or feel the proper <laughs> dread. <laughs> Maybe something happens, like, in the environment, too. Like, kind of, like, right before a tornado when, like, right. the, like all wildlife kind of, like, hides and goes quiet. So like And the barometric you, pressure is crazy high. So if you, like, notice that, like, suddenly, like, there's no birds chirping, you're going to be like, something is weird right now. It's quiet. Too, too quiet. quiet. <laughs> yes. um, in book canon, it sounds like when this happens, Frodo has that same sort of spidey sense of get off the road. It sounds like... The big dude himself, Eru Ilibatar, is responsible. Oh. So I'm going to read what happens. So it's just kind of like a divine intervention. A di- divine intervention is just like, hey, yeah, might yeah. want to watch out. What it says in the book, uh, I can hear a pony or a horse coming along the road behind, said Sam. They looked back, but the turn of the road prevented them from seeing far. I wonder if that is Gandalf coming after us, said Frodo, but even as he said it, he had a feeling that it was not so, and a sudden desire to hide from the view of the rider came over him. Hmm. So either it's just your garden-level anxiety, we all have anxiety, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or it's divine intervention. So it could just be, like, base instinct of survival. Mm -hmm. Just like, like, I I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm going to hide. I'm going to (laughs) hide under a tree root and throw a bag of vegetables. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, So there's, as with so many of these things, there are a lot of different ways to interpret movie canon where it's not clear. Yeah. And speaking of a bag of vegetables, why is the Witch King so bad at his job (laughs) and can just get get distracted by throwing a bag of vegetables when the ring is a foot in front of him? What a... (laughs) 
like you had one job, dude. Literally, that's his only it's job. Your only mission. Who can resist fresh produce? <laughs> he's just like he sees it and he's like, oh shit, I don't have to see old farmer maggot now. <laughs> he could skip the farmer's market. <laughs> like, I hate that dick farmer maggot. No, no, he's good. Oh wait, he hates farmer maggot. Yeah, I'm okay. being the witch king right now. You couldn't tell my witch king voice. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah, is there an actual explanation for that about like why? Okay, that's fine. No, we did talk about it last um, last time we got together to record. Okay. Because it, it flows right into that deleted scene with the wood elves. Yeah. Um, and in the books, the reason that the Black Rider is drawn off is that he hears the wood elves singing a hymn to Varda. Oh. But in the movies, the wood elf thing happened with happened only Frodo and Sam. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 Just uh, movie inconsistency there. I guess. Whoopsie doopsie. Whoops. Needed a reason for them to go away, and <laughs> apparently, bag of carrots Oof. is enough. It couldn't be anything else, <laughs> like a wolf. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I feel like this is gonna be a big, a big part of this recording. <laughs> so I know that this this part around here, because they're about to take Buckleberry Ferry to Bree. Mm-hmm. Um. I only know this because I read a little bit of Fellowship like three times. You fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you. Um, That Tom Bombadil is a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about him, except that he's, I can only picture in my mind like a jester. (laughs) He's just like some weird like wood nymph just like causing like a ruckus just randomly i don't feel like you're too far off really okay <laughs> yeah. yeah like this is like how i thought gandalf was the bad guy <laughs> and you saw tom bombadil in like a harlequin jester yeah. outfit <laughs> it's just like like i know that a lot of people were also upset that tom bombadil wasn't in the movies mm-hmm. i can't imagine that he was that important to the overall plot though no you know <laughs> like <laughs> let's talk Tom Bombadil. Yeah, let's do it. So the short answer to the question, who is Tom Bombadil, is that he's a mystery. <laughs> he's he's the matter of a lot of debate in, in Tolkien fandom and even in like Tolkien scholarship mm-hmm. because it's never made explicit what the fuck he is. <laughs> maybe, maybe Tolkien just wrote him like that because he's like, ha, after I die, they're going to be so confused. <laughs> Tolkien loves sense. over-explaining shit. <laughs> so this is like an extreme oversight. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to describe a lot of things about him. And then I'm going to ask you for your theory. And then I'll talk about some of the other theories about what Tom Bombadil is. Does that okay. sound good? Yeah. Okay. So his wife, Goldberry, who is the river daughter, describes Tom as, quote, the master of woods, water, and hill. That's like the, that's a that's a very poetic answer for what is Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Here are some buckwild things that Tom says about himself. Eldest, that's what I am. And this is all quotes. He refers to himself in the third person. Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. When the elves passed westward, Tom was here already. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless before the dark lord came from outside. So, those are some crazy things that Tom says about himself. Yeah, I've already uh, got a thought. <laughs> yep. Further, uh, nothing happens when Tom puts the ring on. And when Frodo puts the ring on, 
Tom Bombadil can still see him. Okay. So he goes by many names in several other languages of Middle-earth. In Elvish, he's called Iarwain Benadar, which means oldest and fatherless, which is the topic of a lot of debate. Mm-hmm. In Manish, he's called Orald, which means very ancient. And in Kuzdul, which is the Dwarvish language, he's called Forn, which means belonging to the ancient days. So what do you think of Tom Bombadil? I think he's Orome. Intriguing. Explain. I don't know, because he liked to just like hang out Mm -hmm. in Middle Earth and he would have been somebody who was around before like the races began to Mm -hmm. like wake up. And I wouldn't imagine that the ring would have an effect on him because he is more powerful than Sauron. Mm -hmm. So and then he could still see Frodo because he's like a god. Yeah. So yeah, this is like your weird like mortal magic trickery isn't gonna work on me. Now, that's a theory I have never heard before. Okay. So I'm going to need you to write a 10-page essay, <laughs> single-spaced, post it to wherever you do Tolkien stuff online, because that is going to blow everyone's minds. <laughs> Otherwise, I think his name is Omo, the one, the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you said something about the... Uh, the river daughter is his wife. The river daughter is his wife, but like the first raindrop... Yes, he remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. Yeah, so I don't know. That was the other connection I made. So you think he's a Vala? Yes. Okay, so theories about what the hell is up with Tom Bombadil Mm -hmm. range from he's an elf hermit to an Ainu, which means a Vala or a Maya, a forest sprite, just randomly, because that's something that's not in Tolkien's Legendarium, but it is pretty common in, like, English folklore. And that would just, like, exist before existence? Man, who knows? Okay. Uh, To the embodied incarnation of the music of the Ainur. (laughs) Okay. To a very polarizing theory that he is Eru Iluvatar himself. Hmm. Those are all really interesting. I yeah. like I like the one about the music, like the incarnation of the music, especially. That one especially because Tom is always fucking singing. Right, I remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. He's like a musical dude. Yeah, he's very musical. Even when he's like in fights, he says, you know, Tom's songs are stronger mm-hmm. songs. And that would make sense if he existed before existence. Everything, yeah. Because existence was Not the extinct. incarnation of existence itself. Yeah. Yeah. So what is what do, what do they get up to with Tom Bombadil in the books? Great. So this is the question, does Tom matter to the story? <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Uh, it's very subjective. Tom's not very he's 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 not generally included in adaptations. He's never been included in like the major ones like like this one or like the 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 older like animated ones mm-hmm. where Boromir wears like a miniskirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So in a narrative sense, he doesn't really matter. The story goes on fine without him. His appearance and the Hobbit's misadventures while they're in his orbit don't push the story forward at all. Okay. They, nothing happens with them getting closer to Rivendell or anything. So while the stuff that happens with him is that like Merry and Pippin get trapped by Old Man Willow. I which remember is, that. Yeah, that's kind of repurposed later on in The Two Towers. Oh, yeah. But I do remember... Reading when it. I read it, yeah. So I you're that. saying you're a nerd. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Mary and Pippin get, uh, they're trapped under the roots of Old Man Willow and Tom comes and saves them, sings a song. Yeah. about He rhymes Old Man Willow with Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> 
just puts his own name in the song. He's like, oh, absolutely, like like uh, Eminem, like Slim Shady, <laughs> like Jason Derulo, <laughs> like Michael Kors, <laughs> famous singer Michael Kors. Yes, exactly. And then they like have dinner at Tom's and they find out all that whack shit about him and how he's the most ancient thing in the world. Yeah, no big deal. I'm just like the oldest being to oldest exist. Oldest and fatherless is. Buck wild yeah. because everything in the world calls Iluvatar father. father. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I guess that would kind of dash my theory of him being a Vela. Yeah. More, or he's just like, it's a weird thing he said. Because yeah. that's what the elves call him. And what do the elves know about him? Not everything. Right. So after that crazy dinner, the hobbits leave and they're imprisoned in tombs by Barrow Whites, uh, which is just like ghosts in coffins or whatever. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> so Tom rescues them, singing all the while, probably dancing around with little bells on his toes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, Tom Bombadil, gives them the daggers from the tombs. And that's how the hobbits become armed. armed? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they just kind of skip right over that. Yeah. And suddenly they all have daggers well, on think, their top. <laughs> yeah, I think Aragorn unwraps them. Oh, nope, so, you're right. Yeah. Aragorn gives it to them. He yeah. So that's like easily resolved in the movies by just having Aragorn have a bunch of daggers. Yeah. <laughs> just inexplicably. Just inexplicable, crazy number of daggers. So I think that the purpose he serves is to show to the hobbits, who are the point of view characters, that the world is bigger, older, more treacherous, and more magical than they and by extension, us as the readers or the watchers have ever encountered in like our sheltered lives right. in, in the Shire. So the threat to Middle Earth, I mean, whatever Tom Bombadil is, it doesn't matter to him because I would imagine somebody as powerful as him would have gone along on this very important journey if like if that was relevant. I just imagine like Middle Earth just like falling into mayhem at the hands of Sauron, but Tom Bombadil is just untouched and he's like this doesn't matter to me. That might have happened yeah. if, if stuff had gone on because Tom Bombadil was so thoroughly the master of this very small area of the Shire that he had claimed for himself. Uh-huh. And some people think that he's so powerful because he only chooses to use that power in such a small place so his power mm. is more concentrated. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So maybe if Sauron had won, uh, he would have just like taken over everything except for like a cylinder where Tom <laughs> Bombadil lives. <laughs> but um, he... he describes himself as being neutral. He is as true neutral as it gets in that he does nothing. (laughs) Okay. Not even contribute to the plot. No, not even a little. (laughs) I won't even do that. I think, yeah, like the, the hobbits like leave the Shire, go through the old forest, and Tom is one of the first real magical things they encounter beyond like Gandalf's very good fireworks. Yeah. So I think it's just uh, that Tom Bombadil's like existence is just a world building move. Sure. Both both like meta for us viewing the world and in universe, the hobbits see how big the world is. Right. Because so that's super sheltered. Yeah. That's specifically only my theory. <laughs> that is not canon. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff and visual aids. My personal Twitter is at askistwen, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey can be found on Instagram at Audrey underscore underscore Lynn L-Y-N. 
Tune in next time for the answers to questions like, what's the deal with Brie? Why is the Prancing Pony bartender so familiar with hobbits? And why is Strider such a creep? Until next time, muhu turgizu turaguskin. May your beard continue to grow.